you go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cb for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger. Fresh for everyone. Damage Jenkins under center. He looks over a nickel secondary right now. It's third and goal at the seven. Damasek drops back to throw. Breaks a tackle. Cuts to his right. Now cuts his arm. Fires a line drive. And he caught. Damasek with a belt high grab. Underneath the crossbar. Heavily covered. And they've got the lead. Damashek football program available on iTunes and at davedamashek.nfl.com. Now here's your host, Dave Damashek. You know, based on the strength of that call, Kevin Harland is on the short list of presenters for Dave Damashek when Dave Damashek is invariably inducted into the Pro Football Hall of Fame. Hi and hello, football fans, and welcome to the Dave Damashek Football Program. Hope all's well wherever you are. It can't possibly be as good, though, as it's about to be here in Studio 66 because we are going to be joined by not one, not two, but three fellas who are about to get their gold jackets and busts and all the other trappings that come along with being inducted into the Pro Football Hall of Fame. Of course, they are my colleagues here at NFL Media, Kurt Warner, Terrell Davis, LaDainian Tomlinson, along with being good football guy, football players, they're all swell fellas and uh, witness the fact they're coming to talk to a schnook like me in front of their big individual uh, evenings when they get to make uh, their speeches before the football universe. So uh, we appreciate that in advance. Also, I guess in a small way, we're returning the favor a little bit. We appreciate everybody who watched the last episode of Eternal Red Zone. It focused on uh, Marshawn Lynch. Over a million of you watched it on digital uh, alone. On the network, Friday, August 4th at 10 p.m. Eastern. Set the DVRs now so you don't miss it. We're honoring the entire 2017 Hall of Fame class, Eternal Red Zone style. We'll look at the original broadcast. The best moments of the three guys I mentioned, along with Jason Taylor, Morton Anderson, Kenny Easley, the assassin, one of my favorites growing up, and Jerry Jones. Be on the lookout for that again on NFL Network Friday, August 4th, 10 p.m. Eastern is where you can see that. And uh, the day before, football season, at least in preseason terms, will be underway. The Cardinals and Cowboys will have kicked off by the time these guys are giving their speeches and so on. And at that point, then we're in it. We're in the mix of football season. So uh, so grand stuff. If you like football, this is a, a, a glorious time, obviously. Speaking of glorious, let's get to it. Who's first up here? Who's going to visit us? Oh, and here's the idea, by the way. I should let you know what we're, what uh, what my one recurring question is going to be for these guys. Eternal Red Zone. Yes, me and Emma VP and Bartlett and Eddie Spaghetti put our heads together and came up with what we thought were the best plays of these guys' careers that we wanted to highlight in Eternal Red Zone. But I think it's even more interesting to hear what these guys consider to be their own most memorable plays. So I will ask LaDainian, Kurt, 
and Terrell Davis that question. If they have one memorable play that rises above the rest, then we'll talk about that. If they have more than one, we'll try and handle that as well. Either way, let's get to it here. Here's LaDainian Tomlinson. We'll start out with him talking about his brilliant career. Take it away, Dave. Dave All right, a real treat here. I get to work with this guy. I always say, and it's not, I'm not saying this because he's seated uh, to my immediate left here right now. It really is. And, you know, listen, I don't know what uh, what you want to call me for, for feeling this way, but no apologies coming. It's a great thrill to come to work every day and be like, oh, yeah, LaDainian Tomlinson, what do you think about that football <laughs> issue? There he is right there about to go into the Hall of Fame. LaDainian Tomlinson, how are you, man? I'm doing wonderful. I bet. I bet you. Are you all set? You nervous? Are you all set with the speech? What gives? You know what? I've had a couple of people ask me, am I nervous? And I'm really not nervous because, you know, the way I look at it, all the work is done, right? Like what, That's right. What's going to the Hall of Fame? What is it to be nervous about? So, honestly, no, I'm not nervous. I'm excited about it. You know what it's like, Dave? It's like um, planning a wedding. And, you know, got all these different moving parts. And you're just really ready to get it over with. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of how I feel. I'm excited about it. Let's get the darn thing over with. <laughs> I hear you. I hear you. But, yeah, it will be, I'm sure, a a great weekend for you and the family and all your friends. That's what you get. You get to go up there and thank everybody yeah, for absolutely. who's helped you along the way. Can I just suggest one thing? This is this is my. I mean, it says a lot about what I who I am deep down. But if I had the opportunity, you have. You're gonna have a microphone. You get to stand up there and talk about all the people who helped you. Take like maybe three or four minutes to call out everybody who didn't believe. <laughs> just say like, just see, don't you feel silly now? Egg on your face, uh, you know, Terry, whatever, who who didn't believe in me, right? Yeah, but I think the, the fact that you're up there at that point. There's, it says it all, right? Like, I guess so. like me smiling, giving the speech. It says it all. Mm-hmm. Like I don't need to point it out to you mm-hmm. that you didn't believe in me and that you said this kid from TCU wouldn't be able to make it in the National Football League. I am in the Hall of Fame. So kiss my butt. <laughs> <laughs> And, you know, it is worth, you know, the path to the Hall of Fame is is interesting. There's not one route to it first round. Some guys are undrafted and, and so on. I do remember you there there were plenty of cynics out there in the draft, in the scouting community who said, like, this guy's not going to, yay, gargantuan numbers at TCU, but it's not going to translate in the pros. Do you remember that? Oh, absolutely. Did that I mean, motivate the, the, you early those on? Were the- the quotes that I put on my wall in my room when is that I was right? Trying. I, I, no question about it, because uh, it, you know I needed that to keep my focus, to keep me on on the the straight and narrow. You know I I knew what I was after, and those quotes just it, it just reinforced kind of what I was doing it for. You know what I mean? I think mm-hmm. every player, every great player, needs those credits. It's true. I mean, listen, from Tom Brady to Michael Jordan to LaDainian Tomlinson and beyond, it does seem like that is a recurring theme with all-time great players in any sport is they love having a chip on their shoulder, huh? Well, I think because here's the thing, Dave. You know, you get to a point where say you have a great season, one great season, then you have two great seasons. You know, but the the thing about it is – when you start getting the notoriety and people start talking about you being, you know, the best in the league or amongst the best, it, it really it takes, you know, any natural person will be like, I made it, right? I don't mm-hmm. need to do it. I don't need to work any hard. I'm already the best. But it takes that special person and a great player to find something inside and something out there to make you keep wanting to do it again and do it again and do it again. Interesting, interesting insight. See, to me, I would just rest on my laurels. <laughs> I did. Well, wait, I ran for 100 yards in a pro football game. That's all I need to do, right, everybody? In honor of you, I did as I pulled this T-shirt off the rack, or not off the rack, out of my drawer. What am I, a fancy man who hangs his T-shirts on the on, – on, so I put this on. It's L.A. It's uh, gold and blue. It's as close as I could get as the Chargers transition from San Diego up to Los Angeles. You've weighed in on that on NFL Network and beyond. At a later date, we can dig in on the Rams, Chargers, and even the Raiders in the pending battle for Los Angeles football fans' minds and hearts. Right now, though, I want to 
continue to honor you here. Oh, by the way, it's gold. So you're yeah. going to wear a gold jacket. We, we've talked about this. I want you wearing that gold jacket at least once a week. <laughs> at least once a week. Out to dinner, maybe. Oh, taking the kids out for miniature golf. Oh, yeah, did dad's wearing his uh, his blazer yeah. again. Yeah, so yeah. what? Yeah, Ice cream, taking them out. Ice Don't cream, you think that that's the, the right thing to do? That's why they gave it to you, to wear. But, but you know, the thing with me, I, I wouldn't want to get it dirty. So I, I know me, special occasions. Because I don't want to get that thing dirty, man. Mm-hmm. It looks pretty sweet. I think they give you two. If you want to loan <laughs> no, me the spare, can you loan me the spare periodically? The spare is going to TCU. They're putting it up in a nice little trophy case. Fine. All right, fine. I give, I've give. i made a gift for you along with, uh, with the good people behind the glass. It's called Eternal Red Zone. Oh. We're honoring the entire 2017 Hall of Fame class on NFL Network coming up here. In, uh, in just a little while in front of uh, your induction as well as uh, Terrell Davis, who we've been campaigning for a long time, Kurt Warner and the rest of the guys there. What Eternal Red Zone is, Ladanian, um, is, you know, we basically treat uh, great moments. We take the original broadcast and we show them in the chronology of the game. If you scored a first quarter touchdown, we would show it early in the show. And if you scored a last minute touchdown, it would be at the end of the program. But, you know, for me to sit there and choose my favorite Ladanian Tomlinson plays is one thing. Let's go right to the source. Tell me, it could be one, it could be five. What is your favorite player? What are your favorite plays from your uh, from your Hall of Fame career? Um, my favorite play actually came on a, um, it's an eight-yard run, maybe my, I think it was 2005 maybe in New England, um, kind of early in the season. And it was a touchdown run, but – to me, I displayed every single thing that you can display from the running back position. Agility, vision, power, strength, elusiveness, the total package. That was my absolute favorite run of all time. And it was just an eight-yard run. But I'm going into the end zone, Dave, and I'm about two inches off the ground with a Patriot hanging off my back, and I'm dragging him three yards to mm-hmm. the end zone. To me, that defined kind of the player I was. But my favorite play was a counterplay, like a scissors play. We called it scissors, where you start one direction and you come back the, the, the opposite direction. And the reason why I like that, because I was able to do my thing on the perimeter. Mm-hmm. Most of the time when those defenders see me going one way, they all flow that way. And once I went back, it was nobody over there. So it was the corner I had to deal with and maybe a safety coming down. And when I see that... That was insane. so when it's so when it's uh, time for uh, for twenty one to get the football, you would say, "Let's go scissors." Yeah, if, they, if if they said, you know, hey, what play you want to run here? I want to do scissors. Tell me about uh, tell me about the record breaking um, run because uh, you and I bumped into each other by the salad bar yesterday. I yeah. think I assisted you. Like, go garbanzo bean, go blue cheese crumbles. Those <laughs> are good on a salad. Hard boiled egg is very nice yep. as well. I think as we talked about that, I also consulted you on how. I mean, just remarkable it is. Thirty one touchdowns in this. A thirty one touchdowns. They only. I don't know if you noticed, but you only got to play sixteen games. Yeah. 31. Talk about the that record-breaking season and, in fact, that that moment when you when you get over the hump and get to 28. Such a phenomenal season. But, I, you know, the way I look at it, it had to be in order to score 30 touchdowns, 31 like I did. And, and by the way, the only man ever to do that, to eclipse 30-plus touchdowns, right? Mm-hmm. And so in order to do that, everything for one has to go right. That year, it was, it was Phillip Rivers' first year starting. Drew Brees had moved on to to the Saints, and so we were very conservative that first year with Phillip. So I get I, I had a, a lot of opportunities, and then there were two three games where I had four touchdown games. You know, like are you kidding me? Like most, if you get four touchdowns in one game, most guys do that. In, you know, in a career. Are you aware of that in the game? Are I, you thinking to yourself, I mean, I have three touchdowns. Well, absolutely. You know, you've been in the end zone three, four times. Like it becomes a thing where do you want guys those? are saying, guys are saying, like, dude, you know, you got three touch, four touchdowns. You know, and you, so you know, there's no question. But are you when you're in the huddle and they say, all right, we're handing this one uh, to twenty one here? When Phil says that to the gang. Do you say, like, come on, I've had enough, guys. Come on. No. <laughs> Phil, you run this one in. Give it to Lo Neal here. I, I, They'll let him do it. Absolutely not. <laughs> absolutely not. And, and it's weird. On on that record-breaking touchdown, I remember it was it was Marty Schottenheimer's favorite play, Power, which is my second favorite. Um, 
And, you know, right before that, I didn't think we were going to get the record because it, we were running out of time. We had just scored. I had just scored a touchdown, and I needed one more touchdown. Well, the defense went out, and Sean Merriman caused a fumble, like on a six-yard line. Ran back out there, and all my offensive linemen, are, they're looking at me. And, I, you know, at first I didn't want to look at them. I knew what we were going to run the ball, and they said, hey, let's go get it right here. And I said, okay, let's go. <laughs> and so play happens, and ironically – Lorenzo Neal has the most critical block on that play. He falls down. That's why I booked it to the outside. When he fell, I was going to go right inside of him. When he fell down, I just booked it to the corner and just beat everybody around the corner. (laughs) A couple things. First of all, you're such a humble guy, legitimately. I mean, you're one of the all-time great uh, players in the most popular sport in, in the U.S. of A., and you seem egoless, but when it comes to scoring the touchdowns, oh, yeah. you're willing to set that aside. Like, I want the ball here. Huh? Oh, no question about it. That's, to me, that's the way you win a game. And and honestly, I've always had just that ability to score, even hmm. dating back to, to high school and, and college. And here's the thing. My very first carry, you might not know this, in Pop Warner, I was the quarterback. First carry, I scored a touchdown. Hmm. First carry. Second carry, scored a touchdown. So I was destined. I wait. I want to take. Can you cut out? Uh, can you cut out the part where I said he's really humble? Because apparently, <laughs> I I, I uh, don't know LT as well as I as I thought it I did. No, that's awesome. Us. And then uh, also the other thing you have going for you, much to the chagrin of Maurice Jones-Drew and many other running backs who like to think they can throw the football. You were clean through your entire pro football career throwing touchdown pass. I was throwing uh, complete passes, right? Uh, I, I got one miss. Wait, wait, wait. What's yeah, it, I, I missed Antonio Gates on one. I, I remember like it was just it incomplete. Was incomplete. He was wide open, and he was right on the 10-yard line, and I led him too much. I just gave it too much air, and he couldn't run under it. And Boy, that must have been some was, bad ball to not a, let Antonio Gates. Yeah, I mean, I was – you know, and, and the thing is – I was amped up. I knew the play was coming. We had worked on it all week, so I knew Coach was going to call it. And, and it's one of those things, Dave, like, you know, at some point the the area of the field that it's going to be called, we got to that area, and I'm thinking in my mind, okay, this might be the halfback pass. And so Phillip comes in, halfback pass. And I'm like, oh, here it is. <laughs> it's going to be open. And sure enough, Antonio is running wide open. And I just I'm, – I'm running to the right – and I just try to lay it up like I usually do. I usually, you know, can lay it up and, and perfectly. And I saw when I left, when it left my, my hand that he's not going to get it. And and that was the only incompletion. Seven for eight. So, Seven out of eight, yeah. but you didn't throw a pick. No, no picks. Yeah, well, uh, Maurice, uh, I believe, <laughs> did get picked off at least once. You and Walter Payton, probably the best throwers from the running back spot in history. But, I'll take uh, it. But uh, one of the one of the really the all time greats uh, at running the football, one of the all time greats in pro football. Period. Lorenzo Neal, his presenter, his lead blocker. You know, I love Lo Neal. He's a delightful character. He's a funny guy. But I, I now devilishly, I'm going to kind of root that maybe just like on that uh, record breaker, maybe he falls <laughs> on his way up there. He might. And uh, and I'm going to reference that. You know, like, Lo, please just don't fall down, (laughs) for God's sake. And then we'll talk more about maybe me borrowing that gold jacket once in in a while. It'd be not. It won't fit you, Dave. I don't know what that means. I don't even know what that's getting, (laughs) what you're suggesting about me, LaDainian Tomlinson. Get in the weight room. It won't fit you. You got to. Get in the add way. some bulk a little bit. What are you saying about me? Just add some bulk. That's all I'm saying. My willowy frame? I don't know. <laughs> Eternal Red Zone, it's coming up. It's Ladanian. It's uh, it's Kurt Warner. It's Terrell Davis. It's the rest of the guys going in there. LT, have a great time in Canton, man. Uh, couldn't uh, be happier for you. Ladanian Tomlinson, one of the greats. You're listening to David. Damn LT, what a peach. Am I right? Everybody behind the glass? What a swell fella he is. I love the uh, low kneel fell down on uh, on the critical block there. All right, now let's uh let's uh turn it to uh 
to St. Louis Rams star, New York Giants. I don't know if I want to say star. That was the middle of his career. Three acts, really, for Kurt Warner's career in the NFL, of course, preceded by his time in the Arena League in Northern Iowa. You know the story if you followed football for any amount of time. A, uh, a Cinderella story, if there ever was one, for a guy who now is uh, winding up in the Hall of Fame. Here he is, everybody, Kurt Warner. Dave. Dave. All right, this is a good one. Long overdue, according to me and many other football fans in the Hall of Fame, getting that gold jacket in Canton, Ohio, in just a matter of hours. Really, here he is. Great guy. Everybody knows that as well. Anybody who kibitzes with him knows that. It's Kurt Warner. How are you, man? I'm doing good, buddy. How are you? I'm doing well. Uh, not as well as you, of course. I'm not getting one of those uh, handsome uh, gold jackets in the in, in the next few days. But uh, let's talk about it here. Um, first of all, we're doing this with uh, all three guys, with LT, TD, and you. And, you know, we're doing the Eternal Red Zone honoring the entire 2017 Hall of Fame class um, on NFL Network coming up here. But I also think it's more interesting to hear from the horse's mouth what you think your greatest plays are, your most memorable plays. <laughs> what stands out to you as you review your now Hall of Fame career as the most special individual play or plays? Run If you have 17 in your head, run them all off. <laughs> you, you really don't want that, Dave. I, I could probably go on for, for weeks about different plays and why they're memorable. Um, but, I mean, for me, you know, there's a couple signature moments uh, that really stand out. I mean, the first one, of course, is when you win the Super Bowl and two minutes to go in the game, the game is tied as a quarterback. Uh, you've played it out in your front yard a million times that you get the ball and it's up to you to lead your team down and score a touchdown and win the game. To have that opportunity in my first Super Bowl to throw a touchdown pass that would seal the victory uh, it just doesn't get any better than that. You know, after a magical season to finish it and cap it off that way, um, that's one of the signature moments. Well, what about that the, play? Because oh. I, I, I remember it very well that it was a, you know, it was a tight game, pretty low scoring, obviously. McNair gets uh, the Titans into the end zone. All of a sudden, it's a tie ball game, and in the snap of a finger, you go deep. It seems like almost on the next play, <laughs> Isaac Bruce for the game winner. Whose decision was it uh, to to you know strike back so quickly like that? Well, it was it was Coach March's decision, and, and that's the way that he always played. That's the the mentality we always had was to be aggressive. And you're right, you know, stepping onto that field, you kind of think, okay, let's use up the clock, and all we have to do is set ourselves up for a field goal. We kick a field goal, and we win. Um, but Mike had other thoughts. You know, he came out and. and uh, I guess assume that the Titans might be thinking the same thing. So we decided to go after him with a play that we had practiced, uh, a simple play that we had practiced all week and we had talked about how we wanted it to play out and how we were going to throw it and, and the way the defenders for the Titans would play it. Um, but it just never came up in the game before that moment. And so uh, I, I think we were all surprised when that play came came in and uh, it was really everybody just go deep. you know, hey. every, All go routes across the board. Uh, when that play came in because we really hadn't been doing a whole lot uh, in that third and fourth quarter. So uh, to go up and after it and try to get a big play was a surprise. But, um, you know, whether we caught him off guard or we just executed well, uh, it played out perfectly. And uh, then we just had to sit back and wait and watch Steve McNair drive his team all the way down <laughs> to the end zone. Um, you know, and fortunately for us, Mike Jones made the great tackle to, to secure the game. Yeah, easy peasy. All you have to do is just stand there and watch uh, you almost uh, lose your Super Bowl dream uh, by one by a half yard there. Was that – correct me if I'm wrong. Was that ball a little underthrown? Did you get hit as you released it and Isaac Bruce kind of adjusted to it? Uh, I did. I got hit by, uh, by Javon Curse on the play. Um, but, you know, it, funny story that we talked about how the Titans played defense and – they played what we play. We call a high shoulder technique. So the corners in man coverage, they like to stay above the receiver. So we talked about it all week when we ran that go route that, you know, the key was to kind of throw the back shoulder. Back in that day, they, that was before the back shoulder became, uh, you know, the favorite throw for everybody in the NFL. Back in that day, you didn't throw it much. So we talked about it and said, okay, if we get this opportunity, they're going to play high, drop it on his back shoulder. So I like to say that it was just a perfect play, uh, a perfect throw, played out like we had talked about all week, uh, but maybe more accurately, Javon Curse hit me, 
left the ball short, and then Isaac did, uh, you know, did what Isaac does and made a special play and got it into the end zone. Uh, any other plays that stand out for you? You know, I think the other play, uh, again, is another signature play, and it would come the game before that in the NFC Championship game. I mean, we came out in the greatest show on turf, and we got our label and, you know, scoring 35 points a game, and we find ourselves in the NFC Championship game down 6-5 to five in the fourth quarter. And, um, you know, this play that played out, it, it turned out to be a touchdown to Ricky Prohl, but to set that up, Ricky Prohl hadn't scored a touchdown all year long. Uh, last game of the year, we played in Philly. I had Ricky wide open down the middle of the field. Would have been his only touchdown of the year when everybody on our sidelines seemed to have scored that year. Um, Ricky hadn't had him wide open, made a lousy throw. He had to dive down, catch it, got tagged, didn't get into the end zone. So here you're thinking a big part of our offense hadn't got into the end zone. Fast forward a couple weeks to the NFC Championship game. Um, Tampa Bay uh, shows us a blitz on this play. And so with that blitz, we adjust our routes, and you know, right before they blitzed, we called a timeout. Ricky and I kind of went over to the sideline and discussed, okay, they're probably not going to bring that blitz they just showed us, but if they do, what do we want to do? How do we want to adjust on this play? And we went back and forth from a short route to a deep route, and we said, okay, we haven't had much luck. We haven't made many big plays. If they bring the blitz again, turn it into a go route, go down the sideline, and see if we can kind of catch them with the big play. You know, amazingly enough, they came out and brought the exact same blitz they showed us before the timeout. Mm. Ricky changed it to a go route uh, and then went up and made the great play and got his, uh, his feet in the end zone. And it would be his first touchdown all season long, but the touchdown that catapulted us into the Super Bowl. I remember it well, and it felt to me watching on television like it must have been a pressure cooker there in St. Louis. Like you say, greatest show on turf, record-breaking offense and all that. What was it like in the locker room at halftime and as the game went along? I always talk about the curse of Sposta. When you're the team that's supposed to do it and you're supposed yeah. to put up a big point total in a big-time game, were you guys feeling more relief at that point that we – Oh, my goodness. Thank goodness we, we got some points. I mean, how tight were, were you guys getting there? Well, I mean, I think, uh, you know, there's a couple things that came about in that game. The first thing is um, it was a chance for people to see that we had a pretty good defense. Hmm. Um, you know, that all year long everybody talked about the offense and the scoring of points and all that. But our defense played phenomenal all year long. Top 10 defense and never really got much recognition so that was one part that was great about it is that here we are in this game and we couldn't score any points, but our defense wouldn't let Tampa score any as well. And so that was, you know, the big part of it, you know, and then obviously you flip that around and say, you know, the other part was uh, we knew Tampa's defense was really, really good. And we knew it was going to be a struggle. Um, and we were fortunate that, you know, Tampa didn't have necessarily the highest powered offense. They were a run first team. And so I think the combination of our really good defense and the more conservative way that Tampa played, we were fortunate um, as bad as we played early in that game to still be in it and that it would only take one play to really finish that game and get us into the Super Bowl. Yeah, it's remarkable. I mean, obviously it's been uh, it's been covered extensively, as you know, um, but, you know, from where you start that season to that moment and then uh, just a little while later you're throwing that uh, Super Bowl-winning touchdown pass to Isaac Bruce. Great stuff there. But did Bert Emanuel catch that ball or not? Well, based on the rules at the time, no. Yeah. <laughs> um, if, if we'd have thrown out all the rules and you'd have asked me if he caught it, no doubt he caught it. He secured it. Uh, the ball did hit the turf, but I, I don't think it moved at all. Um, so, yeah, who knows how that would have played out. But I think by the letter of the law at that time, um, you know, you say no catch. But for us, it was just – it was fortunate. Who knows how it would have played out. Uh, they would have had to have scored a touchdown uh, to win that game. So, who knows. But um, – but, yeah, we, we got fortunate with uh, the way the rules were at the time and the call that was made there, no doubt. It is funny to think about, like I say, where you started that season and then imagine you out of body looking up at the scoreboard. Wait, I'm in the NFC title game and the score is 6-5 <laughs> right now? That was, that was very strange stuff. If there's one play in your career that you could have a do-over with, which would it be? Oh Well, I mean, without a question, it would be the – 101-yard uh, interception I threw against the Steelers in Super Bowl 43. Um, there were a lot of things that kind of went against us on that play. 
Um, some crazy things that happened. James Harrison, from what I understand, was supposed to blitz, got blocked, fell out, made the interception. Um, you know, you wish you could have done something different. To, if nothing else, just bring him down and tackle him. Hmm. Uh, but that's probably the one play, um, you know, when, when you point out just one that you think could have had a, a dramatically different impact on, on a big game like that. That's one I, I would love to have back. Well, and speaking of that, there are a lot of, you know, I'm a Steelers guy, and, you know, you, me, and Ike Taylor have had some fun about talking about that play. Ike running up behind James Harrison, in fact, as he's running down the sideline saying, pitch the ball, pitch the ball. Good thing he didn't from the Steelers side of things. What do you, where do you come down on the last play of the game? Because a lot of people on the Cardinal side of things feel like you guys deserved at least another snap there. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. That's one of those that – you know, you look at it and it was close and you would have loved to have had another play. But at the same time, you realize it would have taken a Hall of, uh, a Hail Mary uh, to be able to pull out that game. So the odds of that even happening slim to none. Um, but no doubt, I would have loved to have had one more play. I mean, you got guys like Anquan Bolden and Larry Fitzgerald. Mm -hmm. um, you, you want another shot at it. You know, it's not out of the realm of possibility that you throw one up and one of those great players makes a play. So um, you know, it, it is what it is. Um, some great players made some great plays in that game. Uh, and so you can't take anything away from, from that aspect of things, but I would have loved to have one more snap just to see, uh, see what could have happened. <laughs> I don't blame you. Well, you mentioned the great receivers you played with in uh, Arizona, obviously, um, in St. Louis too. None of them are watching. So don't worry about it. Who's the most gifted <laughs> of all the pass catchers. You know what? I, I will never give you one name because <laughs> the thing about it is that A, they were all great players. You know, B, they were all different players. And so to, to try to measure up uh, different types of players and guys with different skill sets and say, well, that guy's better than this guy, uh, it doesn't really work. Uh, what I would do for you is if you told me a particular scenario, um, I would tell you which receiver I would like to throw to in that particular scenario. You know, for instance, if I'm throwing the ball up on a fade from the five-yard line, I'm throwing it to Larry Fitzgerald. If I'm throwing one at the line of scrimmage where I need a guy to make a guy miss or run over and get into the end zone, I'm throwing it to Anquan Bolden. You know, if you're asking for a guy to simply win a one-on-one -on -one route by running a tremendous route, uh, I'm going to Isaac Bruce. He ran routes better than anybody I've ever seen. Um, and then you have Torrey Holt, who may have been, uh, when you look at all those factors, uh, the best compilation of, of everything of all, you know, all four of those guys, um, you know, so it's just, it's so interesting because people always ask you that. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I got to play with some really, really good ones, no question. Um, but they all did things a little bit different. And the great thing is when you have those guys, you can play to their strengths. You can put them in positions and say, okay, this is where you're better than anyone else. We're going to ask you to do that. And then you're better than anyone else at this. So we're going to keep you in your position of strength. And, you know, playing with a number of guys like that on the same team, it gave us great flexibility to use their strengths. And because of that, they, they played some great football during those years. It's amazing your lucidity for individual plays and then also to be able to identify on the field in the moment who you're throwing the ball to. It seems like the average person, aside from the lack of arm strength and everything else, wouldn't be able to wouldn't be able to determine, oh, I'm throwing it to that guy and his skill set, that you that you're that on it in the moment with very large human beings trying to trying to hit you is uh, is remarkable stuff. Uh, last couple things here. You know, in in uh, baseball, you get to choose, or I don't know if you still get to, you get to choose which ball cap you go in with, which team right. you associate yourself with. Which would it be for you? Would you be a Ram or a Cardinal? <laughs> well, you first you're asking me who my favorite receiver is, who's the best out of all the That's great right. ones I played That's with. That's right, now Warner. you're asking I, I... me to pick between the two no organizations. No softball questions that, uh, here, Warner. <laughs> I guess. Um well, here's the thing is, you know, for most guys, I mean, very few guys split their career almost down the middle and end up finding their way into the Hall of Fame. You know, maybe in baseball, when you play a little bit longer, you have more of, uh, of that type of scenario. But in football, you very rarely find that. Hmm, and that's so, so true. Pe so people ask me all the time, are you going in as a Ram or a Cardinal? And thank goodness I don't have to choose one because I'm not sure I could. Um, hmm. You know, Neither part of that 
gets me into the Hall of Fame. My time in St. Louis doesn't get me in. My time in Arizona alone doesn't get me in. It took both chapters. It took you know both sides of things to be able to get me to this place. So I can't sit here and say, well, you know, because we won a Super Bowl in St. Louis, I would go there. No, it was all important and it was all special. And being able to, to help change the culture of two different places uh, are things are, are, is very, it's something I'm very proud of uh, in both situations. So um, I just can't answer the question. And I'm very grateful that we don't wear a helmet and we don't have to put something on the side of it. Um, or maybe I'd have to choose a different emblem on, on each side. But um, I'm just one of those unique scenarios where I don't think you can choose one over the other because they were both so instrumental in getting me to this place and, and uh, you know, in getting me that gold jacket. Well put. So instead of a helmet, so there won't be a helmet on your bust in Canton, <laughs> will there be a mustache on your face or not? Mm. Well, I'll tell you what, th- there's probably going to be a little bit of scruff. Not a mustache. Nice. That wasn't, uh, you know, that wasn't typical Kurt Warner, uh, a Kurt Warner look. But, uh, but I did have the scruff. So uh, without question, when most people think of me in my playing days, they think of, of some type of scruff uh, and facial hair. So without a doubt, uh, the bust will have a little bit of that. I love that idea. I always, I, I like to ask quarterbacks that. Do you like to go into the Super Bowl knowing that Billy, a billion eyes are going to be on you? Do you want to be clean shaven so you look like a <laughs> smart gentleman or do you want to look rugged out on the field? You always went with the latter, right? Well, that was probably when I was younger. When I was younger, I didn't care as much. When you get older... Uh, you know, and the gray starts coming in in the, in the beard and the facial hair. Sometimes you go, hey, well, let me just clean that up a little bit so I'll look like I'm a little bit younger, a little bit cleaner. So a lot of it depends on what phase of life we are in. Yeah, I got the grays popping up in my beard too. <laughs> Last thing for you, and this one is a bit of a softball. You wore two Rams uniforms. You wore the Giants uniform and the Cardinals uniform. Which was the best uniform you wore aesthetically? Uh, aesthetically? Yeah. Can I say the Iowa Barnstormers? I um, guess so. I, I, I wore a whole bunch of jerseys. Is that the one I that had the goggles on the but, hat, though? Exactly. Oh. We had the goggles. <laughs> we had the, the propellers on the pants. We had the wings on the jerseys. I just say that because I get more comments <laughs> about those uniforms than any others. But I, I think the signature one would be the one where I won the Super Bowl and the old school kind of throwback Rams jerseys, mm-hmm. uh, you know, with the bright yellow uh, and the royal blue. Uh, and we only wore it that, that one season um, that we won the championship. So it, it kind of feels nostalgic because of that. Um, so I just think that to me is one, when people see that, it conjures up some really special uh, images in your head and some really special times. So, you know, that was probably the one that, uh, that I associate or, or, or recognize, um, you know, more, th- more than the others. Not that the other ones weren't cool and I didn't enjoy wearing them, but, um, but those were the ones that, that everybody kind of points to and goes, greatest show on turf. Well, you know, Tom Brady, the sixth-round draft pick, uh, you know, a decade from now, maybe sooner, he, people will be talking about his tale. But Kurt Warner stands out as, a, you know, a remarkable trajectory from where you started to, to where we sit now. Enjoy the time in Canton, Ohio. Anybody who knows you – a little bit or even from a distance knows how important uh, family is to you. So I hope you and the whole family have a great time out there. Thanks a lot, Dave. I appreciate it. Sure thing. Thanks for the time. The great Kurt Warner, everybody. Hall of Famer. Another Hall of Famer I work with now. How about that? You listen to Dave Fascinating stuff from Kurt there. I, you know, I think he's right about the Rams uniform, as I always point out, though. It's, it, it's not perfect. It's got to have the gray face mask. Number two, I would say... The Giants uniform. Three would be the Cardinals one. They need to get rid of that vertical stripe that goes all the way up the jersey. That's weird on the road. That doesn't look good on anybody. And then lastly is the weird metallic gold that the Rams wore. But you know what? That's uh, they're, they're getting rid of that at some point soon, as soon as they can. The L.A. Rams now. Now let's get to uh, to the last of our trio here, Terrell Davis. All right, I feel like, listen, I know that there were myriad people out there campaigning, but uh, I used this space, this very physical space, to say over and over again, 
why is the guy who in an era that included Emmett Smith, Barry Sanders, Jerome Bettis, Curtis Martin, all in the Hall of Fame, one guy was head and shoulders above all those guys during this super rich era of high-end running backs. Why is he not in the Hall of Fame already? Now he is, or he's about to be at least. Well, I'm in. I'm in. It's the official enshrinement. Nah, becomes yeah, so you, you know, I, mean, I don't in. know if you technically are you're in a, yet. I don't <laughs> I know. tell you what, they can't take it from me right now. I don't so, know. So you're in. Yeah, you are. It's just the, the formality hasn't happened yet. I, well, And that's the gold jacket and the ring and uh, the bust and the, and the, re, you know, the re- revealing of that. So, But, you know, I feel like it's happened already. Are you sure? Sh- does, does that count? Uh, well, <laughs> I guess that's what matters. Yeah, I guess the big moment was when you got, the, like when you got the knock that out the was door the finally. Yeah. yeah. Let's all, by the way, it's Terrell Davis. That's who we're yeah. talking Thank to, you, everybody. Um, yeah, and muzzle tub and, uh, and uh, finally getting the call. Um, what was, let's start right there. How, what, what was that moment? What, what will you recall, uh, for the rest of your days when you got that the, knock on the door? Um, everything, you know, it's, it's one that you think about and you try to, uh, ask yourself the question, what will you do if the knock is real? And so you try to think about it, but then you also know that, Hey, he may not knock on the door. It might be somebody else that knocks on the door or you get a call. So you try to keep things in perspective. And, uh, you know, when it happened, man, I just – I couldn't believe it. I just kind of broke down. I don't know if you've seen the uh, mm-hmm. the video, but it's 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 the moment w- that you've been waiting for. And it's it's as awesome as they said it would be. And you see David Baker, his big, huge self, uh, jolly, jolly giant. And um, you, just, you just say, man, thank God, man. So you have all these feelings that run through you, and it's like one of relief. It's joy. It's euphoric. It's it's everything, man. Combined into one, man. So it's it's a special moment. Well, good for you, and of course, uh, richly deserved. Let's uh, let's do this um, with Ladanian Tomlinson, Kurt Warner, and Terrell Davis. We're focusing uh, with the Eternal Red Zone that uh, premieres on um, August fourth at ten o'clock on Friday night. I have picked out what I consider to be your greatest moments of your career. Oh, you have. See okay. them all. All right along with Kenny Easley and Jerry Jones and uh, Morton Anderson and, and Jason Taylor. But uh, I, I think it's more compelling even to hear what you consider the most memorable plays of your career. What What is, if you have one, if you have 27, whatever whatever yeah, is in your yeah. head, what should we, uh, what, what, what do you Ooh, remember what, best in, in terms yeah. of one play? One play, the, the one play is hard. I, I think the one play that I think about the most would be the 2,000-yard um, play, and because that was a, a milestone. It was something that I didn't think that I would get that year, and here we are uh, literally one play away from breaking 2,000 yards. And so there's so much that's running through my mind in terms of, hey, don't fumble the ball. You can't lose yards. Uh, it's about to happen. So all this stuff is happening, and all of a sudden, you know, from the time we called the play in the huddle, which was 19 handoff, um, things just slow down, and the crowd is the crowd is going nuts in in Mile High Stadium. Does anybody say to you, does Elway or anyone else in the huddle say, "This is don't it, mess TV. it up"? This is it. Um, <laughs> uh, everybody's looking at me, hmm. and yeah, they're all like shaking their heads, like, "Okay, let's go get this." And, uh, you know, I'm aware, and I'm trying to be cool, and I'm trying not to think about what's about to happen uh, again. But my mind is starting to race, like, all right, you know, what am I going to do when I break it? Um, you know, again, I just try to make sure I didn't do anything stupid to mess it up. And so, yeah, so when the ball is snapped, it gets very quiet. I remember to play vividly. And I'm standing back there, and I know it's a 19 handoff, and Howard's uh, offset to my left. And uh, we're going to run this play, and, and this should be it. And it just gets quiet. And all of a sudden, mm. it's like uh, quiet, and all of a sudden, the ball snapped. And then it's live. It's time to go. And I'm just making sure that I'm, I'm squeezing the ball. If you watch it, I'm squeezing the ball, making sure I don't fumble the ball, but also trying to keep my leg, my leg um, driving. Mm-hmm. And I know if I can just get some forward momentum, I can probably get it. And then I break a few tackles, and I get hit out of bounds, and it's like uh, it happened. So that's that's a – that's one that I would I would always cherish. It's interesting. And then how do you continue on with the drive? Okay, that's over with. Now let's get back to business. I think Does somebody they, do I, that? I think they pulled me out of the game after that play. Oh, really? Yeah. I went back in for just one play. I think it was just to get the crowd to 
mm-hmm. you know, to give me the applause. And then I think that I got pulled from that because that was pretty late in the game. We were, we were winning the game, and I didn't need to be in there at that point. And so uh, we had already clinched playoff you know, first-round advantage anyway. So I think once that was accomplished, they pulled me out. Let's uh, let's talk about uh, the you and I have sat down before, and in fact, I'll encourage everybody to find it online because it really is a great half hour of insight from TD, the MVP of Super Bowl Thirty Two. The first time you'd ever actually watched that game, which boggles my mind. If I were the MVP yeah. of a Super Bowl, it would run in perpetuity <laughs> on a loop in my home, on, in every room in every the day, house. Just keep going. Now, did I? Did you not see this game where I was the MVP of the Super Bowl? Well, yeah. watch this now. Yeah. Well, I'm, I'm, I'm going to do that now. I think I'll okay. put that in. Just That's keep moving it in. But I've seen it in the background. I've seen it on TV, but I didn't watch the whole thing. Like, I've seen bits and pieces. Well, what's crazy about it is, is that, of course, you miss pretty much the entire second quarter. And yet, like we've talked about, the 158 yards you put up in that game against a good Packers defense. People focus on Brett Favre and that offense, but that defense was legitimate. Yeah. And you put that 158 in essentially three quarters on them, and they are man-style yards. I mean, there's yeah. not there's not some 70-yard run mixed in with all those other ones. I mean, it's like four or five yards at a clip that you're that you're knocking out these yards, and it's remarkable stuff. The one exception to that was on the Super Bowl winning touchdown, the red part, or I, well, I guess it's not the Red Sea, it's the Green Sea of Green Bay parts for you. What do you remember about that? I remember thinking that our O-line was that dominant. (laughs) I was like, wow. Man, my line is incredible. You know, the amount of space they gave me during that play, I just thought we blocked it well. But unbeknownst to me, I didn't know that they had told them to let us score. And I didn't figure that out until after the game when they said, yeah, they they let let you score. Hmm. I was like, okay. You know, so – but I wasn't mad at that. I mean, that was that was the easiest goal line run I've ever had. So I uh, thank him for that. That's one less hit that I took. It, it's funny as I'm thinking about it now. Yeah, so they give the ball to you. That's one strategy that Mike Holmgren employed there was to let the opposition score. And I guess that's what Belichick did against the Giants in uh, their, in this Giants' second Super Bowl win. I mean, when you look, were you scratching your head? I mean, I guess now we can go back in uh, three years ago. Are you still stunned about Marshawn Lynch not getting the ball? Yeah, and I was going to bring that up as a point. I mean, I think that's – I mean, I watched the game. I was coming and I saw the ending, and I'm thinking the game is over. And But we're also asking, not in that that case uh, necessarily, but do you try to stop them or do you let them score? Yeah, right. That's the point. Because you've got Tom Brady. So I'm thinking let them score, and then you get the ball. At least you have some – Seconds on the clock. Belichick choked in that moment. I've Patriots fans don't want to hear it, but that's the fact. Mike Holmgren, agree or disagree whether it's a good idea to let them score and get the ball back to Favre and see if he has enough time. Right. I mean, he, had, he had plenty. I mean, like a minute. He had time. He had time yeah. to do it. They, The Patriots could have gotten the ball with about 50 seconds left with the alleged greatest of all time under center yeah, yeah, there. Right. Belichick instead, he freezes. He's looking at the clock he assuming the, he didn't the call the timeout. Right, yeah. and he's assuming the Seahawks are going to call the timeout right. here. So he's waiting. and Suddenly the clock's ticking down, down, down. Well, now we just got to let it go. go. Now we better go. stop him yeah, or, yeah. or that's it. I think that's what happened. Yeah, I, I agree with that, man. Of course I was stunned. I'm thinking, you know, Marshawn just – I think he just picked up four yards on first down, maybe five yards. Yeah, down to the and line. And they – like you said, were, those were man-sized yards. So give him another shot. He needs one – I think two yards, one, one yard more. A lot, And plus you have a timeout. It's only second down. Run the ball again. You run on second. The correct order for, for future reference, uh, Daryl Bevel and, uh, <laughs> and Pete Carroll is – you run the ball on second in that situation. You pass on third to stop the clock. If you don't get it, you have about 10 seconds left fourth, in the fourth, Super Bowl. Fourth, fourth and goal from yeah, the from one the with the play. Super Bowl yeah, on the line. Yeah, yeah, that would have been grand. Yeah. But what are we talking about that for? We're sidetracked. We're celebrating TD right now. What else? Any other plays that uh, stand – even yeah, if they were bad Yeah, plays? well, a few plays. So, uh, one play where my rookie year, uh, we play the Houston Oilers – Wow, um, you're old. Yeah, I didn't, you yeah. were in the league with the Oilers. Yeah, they were. It was their. Yeah, it might have been their last year in Houston, and uh, it, I think it was my longest run of the season. It was basically like a, like a trap play where um, we're in a split formation, and I ran a lot uh, in the three point stance my rookie year. It was true West Coast offense. Mm. 
I, I was interchangeable with the, with the fullback and halfback. So it was more like the Roger Craig-style runs, and it was a trap that I came off. Uh, I was on the right side, and I came, like I think it was a, 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 maybe 11 wham or something, broke off and, and had a long run. And, I, you know, that was kind of the first run that I had of my career that was that was a long touchdown run. And it kind of showed some speed, and I wasn't really known for speed, so I was, a little, I was proud of that play, man. Um, what about, uh, yeah, I mean, it, it's remarkable to me that, you know, where you came from, and it's a funny thing to, to look at just the trio of NFL media guys going in and the different paths that you took there. You know, Kurt Warner, we know his story. LT is a guy who people had some questions about coming out. I remember there were some who knocked him coming out. Well, they knocked him on his size a right. little bit, and, and LT is not a small back. I know. I was, I was surprised when I got a chance to see him. For the first time, are I'm, you all this time later? I in ancient history almost, but are you? Do, do you attribute a chip on the shoulder at all to to your success in the league? So many high end athletes that we've watched yeah. now, you know that never goes away. That right. you know, I was a six round pick, and now I'm going to stick it to you again, NFL. Yeah, I don't know. I don't. I don't. I don't. I don't think I draw on that a lot. I think I look more at the opportunity than I do uh, somebody who said I wasn't good enough to play. I don't necessarily go into a game believing that. You know, I always thought I was a good player. And so I just think about playing the best that I can play and controlling what I can I can control. And whatever happens, happens. I, I do – I like being in big games. I like playing uh, on a level that is up there. So maybe it's just I'm, a, I'm comfortable with that. And I've always been that way where – you know, the bigger the game, the bigger the moment, the more I, I, you know, I think the better I play. What advice would you have for somebody? Obviously, you did shine, and it wasn't just in those Super Bowls. It was in the playoff games leading up to it, much to my chagrin. I remember what you did in Pittsburgh. In um, uh, yes, Stadium. yes. I didn't yeah. care for that. I know. You, I, you you remind me every time. I respect we it, talk. You but I don't like every it. Every single time we talk about that. What I, what I really did. Yes, like. we had to do what we had to do. Right? I didn't like what Romanowski did to poor Cordell Stewart. That was mean-spirited. Oh, was it? <laughs> <laughs> Messed with his head a little. <laughs> you have to. <laughs> Romo was in his head. Like, what, what are you doing? What advice would you have for somebody? I, you know, people ask me. You know, the, you know, talking about sports isn't something to get nervous about. But people ask me, "What do you?" Do? I always say, if if there's pressure to it, that's the fun part. I mean, what yeah. what advice do you have of turning nerves yeah. into a positive as opposed to something that works? Th- they're there. What I've learned is that you can't stop them from coming. Uh, if you expect to walk into a big game and not be nervous, then you're fooling yourselves. It's how you manage the nerves when they come. And I've always tried to manage the, the nervousness, but part of that was preparing yourself. If you're prepared and you feel good about it, you know the nerves are not one of fear or you're not going to be successful. It's one of maybe it's anxious to, to play, um, but I just try to manage them and just try to remind myself of a few things. One, I played football since I was seven years old. The football field is not changing. It's the same dimension. Hmm. They don't change in big games versus preseason games or regular season games. They're the same dimension. Uh, the guys across the ball from you, I play against the same type of guys my entire career. So I try to simplify the moment. It's hard. It's difficult. Super Bowl is the one thing every week uh, before a game or even the big games, I try to mentally put myself in that situation and I, try, I seriously try to just minimize what the effect is. For example, if I told you to walk across a beam that's two feet high, you can hop on that beam all day long, right? If I say, you know, walk on a beam that's 20 feet in the air, you've been walking on a two-feet beam all, all this time, but the 20-foot beam, you got nerves because you're, you're worried about the results. Hmm. If you don't worry about the results, don't worry about if I fail, if this doesn't happen and doing too much. Just stay within yourself. Do what you've always done. And that's when I find out, at least for me, that's when I found out that I played my best. It's when I don't. The one game I had my worst game ever was against the Raiders on Monday Night Football, my rookie year, and that was the one game that they built this game up to be Broncos versus the Raiders. It's a rivalry game. You got to bring all your lunch. You got to do this, do that, and I bought into it. The worst game I had Mm. because I tried to do too much, and I'm and I'm worried about. I got to perform well. It's Monday night football. Broncos playing the Raiders. The hated rivalry. I got to do a lot, TD. Worst game ever. That's an interesting uh, a little bit of insight there. Yeah, if you let that uh, – yeah, if you let the outside noise. Yeah, just 
do what you've been doing. You're the, I, I, you know, you got here doing one thing. Don't try to change it. Hmm. You know. Uh, interesting. What about now? T- talk about big game performers. I've asked a lot of Broncos this, past and present. One game, the fate of the planet hangs in the balance. Elway, or Peyton Manning. <laughs> I'm going with I'm going with John. Are you? I'm going with John. I respect Peyton. I think he's a phenomenal quarterback. But when you get a chance to play and see a guy every day, locker room, you see him play in clutch situations. You know what he's made made of. It's different. Like I maybe it's obviously it's bias on my part, but I know I think John is is one of the the t- yeah, you can you can we it's, we can argue this. You know who's the best quarterback ever. He's up there, and I'd say he's top five. Um, the, the man is phenomenal. And, and I think what people forget with great quarterbacks is not that they're individual talents. It's the ability to raise the level of when p- people are playing around you. People say that all the time, and it is becoming an empty cliche because people apply it too freely to guys. Like, I, this, he makes everybody is, around him better. But this, but is, this, is, this is one that he, is real, man. I think he is – as good an example of that as anybody I can think of in in any sport, legitimately, because before you got there, I mean, what what's the storyline of Terrell Davis more than anything is if he hadn't come along, Elway doesn't get a ring. I mean, that's the right. story. It was it was TD's offense when the Broncos get those back to back Super Bowls, and Elway though doesn't have to go down in history along with uh, Marino as this high-end all-time Hall of Fame great who never who never got the Lombardi trophy. So you gave him that gift, really. And, you know, when, well, when we see you – know, We gave him that I gift. I know, but, yeah, the, you know, yeah, this this one's for gift. John. Yeah. You know, that was, you know, TD <laughs> kind of um, is the one who, Yeah, when Pat said that, I was like, yeah, and for me. Yeah, I'll, I'll take that too. Yeah, for John <laughs> and me. <laughs> I hear you on that. No, um, we all got one. But, I mean, the thing with the thing with Elway is, um, is you know, with, with all due respect to the guys who preceded you, that those Broncos teams in the '80s that were getting to the Super Bowl had no business getting to those Super Bowls, except that they had number seven yeah. under center there. Go back and look at the pieces of those teams, and you think that was that was the receiving core? That was that was who was running the ball? Yeah, that's what I'm saying, man. You know that guy. Not, it's not just well he makes people better, but he was doing it on his arm. Yeah, a lot of that success they had was off off of John's arm. But no, nah, man. Yeah, I, I'm taking John, brother. I've seen him do it too many times, and uh, yeah, I, I don't even. Yeah, it's not a regret, but I wish that he had. Uh, we came in a little. He came in either a little later, or I came in a little earlier. I would have loved to play mm. more years with him. I only played four years with John, and um, you know, it was it was a magical thing, man. It was beautiful. So it would have been nice to have played eight, nine years with him, and and. Uh, and see what we could have uh, accomplished. Yeah, I, I, th- that uh, that bit of regret, I hope, is largely washed away, at least, or at least to some degree for you. I know you're a competitor, but uh, I'm glad that it ends happily here. What One more thing is uh, talking about great individual plays. You described for me in the second quarter, the Broncos score that touchdown. They use you as a decoy. You say, I really shouldn't be in the game. Coach Kubiak is the one who sends you out there? No, Mike Shanahan. Shanahan Shanahan, says, get out, just go out there and play decoy for us. And uh, explain that play for us. Well, it was the end of the the first quarter. Oh, first quarter, sorry. No, yeah, we we, we were changing fields. Right. So it was the end of the first quarter. A few plays prior, I had, I I got tripped, and uh, I remember Santana Dotson tripped me, and I think I hit my head. I don't, I think it was Eugene Robinson. I don't uh, quite remember, but he hit me on the top of my head. I got stunned. Here's a and here's a here's an interesting thing. If the rules for concussions were put in place during that game, I don't think I come back in in that game. Mm. I don't. I don't think right. so. That's probably yeah. I, yeah. I think that's uh, pro- almost inarguable. Yeah. So uh, thank God that uh, it you know that they they weren't in place at the time. So um, I'm a little woozy. I leave the game, come back in. A few plays later, we're about to change fields, and I notice that I can't see. So as we're going down to the other side of the field, we're on the five-yard line or something like that, and I, ha- I want to tell Mike that I can't see. And when I get migraines, the first thing that go, my vision goes, and then, you know, nausea, headaches. But I want to let him know so he doesn't give me the ball. And uh, I tell him, and Mike says, well, we don't need you to see on this play. We just need you to be in there because if you're not in there, they won't believe we're going to run the ball, 
And so we kind of need you. And without hesitation, all right, just want to let you know, that, you know, in my mind, so I run out there on the field. We do a bootleg. It's like a fake 15 fullback slide where I fake to the, to the left side. Howard Griffith does a, uh, a fullback slide underneath John as he hands off. John rolls out, and then he could throw it because Howard is open, but there's no one out there, so John just runs it in. But that's the play, man. That was a big play. Uh, and, and, you know, and we don't know what happens if I'm not there, if it works or not. But, yeah, I just uh, – but after that play, I ended up going – I sat on the bench, and then I went to the locker room and, and uh, for the entire second quarter and the remainder of the halftime, and I came out in the third quarter, and I fumbled. The first play out, third quarter, I fumbled the ball. You know? but, it do- but you know what, though? Once you <laughs> have that go against you, legitimately, I think – you know, I'm 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 weak mentally. You know, like if I did that, then I would be uh, a wreck the rest of the game. Like I don't know if you should give it to me again after what just happened there. No, you no. get it again, and, yeah. you, and I'm like, well, that's uh, yeah. that's in the rear. Yeah, you know, because because no. when I got it, you know, I was I was so happy to be back out there that I was I don't know, I was just thinking about something different, and I remember the play almost like it happened yesterday. They they he- they held me up a right. little bit. Yep, and all of a sudden, like. I feel the ball, but then the ball is gone. I'm like, I'm like, uh-oh, <laughs> this cannot be good. But it happens. I walk back. I tell them I'm fine. That's on me. It won't happen again. Let's let's go. You know, I didn't do well on it. I I knew uh, that I didn't secure the ball. I wasn't uh, conscious about that. So, you know, it, it ended well. And we uh, you know, obviously won that game. So it's all, all was good. Yes, yes. Uh, you broke that streak, too. The AFC yeah. Lombardi list streak. What was that, like 11, 13, 12 years? I think it was something? 13 years. That was crazy. Yeah, was, I was convinced. Was I was convinced that the Steelers were going to be the ones to break that that season. But you you had other things in mind, TD. Congratulations <laughs> on your fancy Lombardi trophy and all that. Last question, when they unveil that bust, what are we going to see? Is there going to be hair on your head? What's going to be? I don't know what year it is. Uh, what do you mean you don't know? Don't they have to take your – did they well, do, well, like, they, the clay on your fa- – or pla- whatever, plaster on your yeah, face? Yeah, they did, but um, it's pretty much me right now. Right here and now. Because they used to do it where they, they would pick a year. You could say, all right, I want to look like my rookie year. And I don't know if the uh, if the bust came out the way they, they wanted it to, to come out. So <clears throat> I think they're just going with kind of how you are now because it gives you the, the most realistic um, – you know, chance to or more, more, most realistic image of you <clears throat> on that bus. So, yeah, I think it's, I think it's me right now, man. So you don't. So how you see me is probably how it is. All well, right, is how it is. I've seen it. So all right, I guess that's yeah. fine. Do you do you think uh, and and do you feel like you'll be when people go around there? Will people say, "Boy, that guy Terrell Davis, like he's the most handsome guy in here." <laughs> Well, that, is that what? Where do you I, think you stand? I don't know about there? all that, man. Yeah. I don't know about the handsome part. Man. I go, Kurt. You know what? I go Curtis Martin. He's very handsome. You go Curtis. Oh, or, oh, you mean like it, uh, the whole the whole room? Yeah, the whole room. Oh, you talking about like yeah, out of three hundred and ten yeah, of all the bus up there? Will oh people, man, there's like, some handsome dudes in there. Forty, fifty years from now, will they? Will people stop and say, "TD, wait, I gotta get a picture of this because he because uh, his bus is." So I don't. Handsome. You know, I don't care about whether they call me handsome. I just want it to look like me. I just want I them. To, I, I just want them to, to know that that's Terrell Davis. You know, because some of them, when you look at them, you got to really look at the name, and because the way they did it. The old school way, you're trying to figure out who was that. Mm-hmm. So uh, as long as it looks like me, I, I'm I'm fine. I just want I just want to be a realistic, you know, image of me. That's well, it. it is reality so. that uh, from now till the end of time, or at least in a matter of uh, days, it will be a reality that you can go and see that bust. And it will be of Terrell Davis, finally. And uh, justice is served in the Hall of Fame. Congratulations. Have a great you, weekend with it, man. I will, man. And, and like we talked about, I want you wearing that gold jacket a couple a, times a hey, week. Yeah, they, they might get tired of me wearing that jacket. To the movies. Like, yeah. Oh, yeah. man. That, you thing, know? that thing is going to be smelling, man. I'm going to wear it so much. Yeah. I'm, oh, you think Blade Runner's a big hero? Check out me in my gold jacket. Go see the movie in, yeah, the, in the gold jacket. Looking you forward to it. It's going to be right. awesome. Terrell Davis, what a fella. There goes TD out the door. Uh, Little note for you. Uh, Bartlett behind the glass while we were talking pulled up the play 
that uh, TD was talking about. So he got a look at that one against the Houston Oilers. He was quite proud of himself. That was, that was quite an, uh, that's actually an interesting thing. He's about to go into the Hall of Fame. He's a two-time Super Bowl champion, but he still can stop, stop and say, hey, check out, uh, watch your boy run here, he said. You know, he watched him run away from the Houston Oilers DB who had no chance whatsoever. Pretty funny. Oh, I thought you were going to say something there, Bartlett. It was great. I mean, it, it was cool to have him come in and watch the play and see it. I mean, the way he described it was perfect. He pulled away and said, oh, see, your boy's got the speed. I'll tell you, I love all those. I, I, I really, LT, Kurt Warner, and TD, all, I think, really interesting to hear their insights on those iconic plays that, uh, well, and then, then LT, among all the iconic plays, I had, I, who would ever know a week five play or week four play against the New England Patriots in eight yard run? So fascinating insights from all three of those guys. And uh, and I guess uh, Muzzle Tovin advanced all three of those guys as well as Jason Taylor, Morton Anderson, Ken Easley, and Jerry Jones. A reminder to you, make sure you set the DVR now. Friday, August 4th, 10 p.m. Eastern on NFL Network. It's Eternal Red Zone, the 2017 Hall of Fame Class Edition. Make sure you check that out. It'll also be on Facebook, Twitter, all the usual places. But uh, But check it out on the network. It's always nice. It's on fancy TV. Put it on your flat screen. It's nice. Oh, you know what? However you want to watch it. You know what? How you watch it? You watch it on all those. You watch it on the network. Then you watch it on Facebook. Then you watch it on the network again. Then you watch it three more times on Facebook. I'll just go on and on until the music stops. We'll be back with more Who in Applesauce later on. In the meantime, it's been a thin slice of heaven. You go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day. And smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cd for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA. Hey guys, back at the playground again, huh? Yep. You know what this playground could use? A wine country. Heck yeah! And some waves, so we could go surfing. Oh, yeah. <laughs> ah, love that! A redwood forest would be cool. I'm in! Ah, ski slopes. Let's do it! Um, tenor girl go shopping. Yeah, baby! Wait! Did we just invent California? Discover why California is the ultimate playground at visitcalifornia.com.